I don't expect it to happen all next week, but I do believe God will do that in this year. Why? Well, it's because of a word, a Christianese word. And if you were here last week, we started this series on Christianese, which are words that we often use in church that maybe we don't always know the meaning of. Last week, we talked about in Jesus' name. Tonight, I want to talk about a word called faith. Faith is a very, very popular word, one that we often use for a number of things, but one that I'm also not quite sure if you fully understand what it means to have faith, okay? Faith, uh, we all have some measure of it. We all have some sort of belief and some sort of faith in things. Uh, You have faith that the chair you sat in would hold you. There was no guarantee. There was no promise. There's no warranty that you walked in with where when you sat in that chair, it's definitely going to hold you, right? Chairs have broken in history. Chairs have fallen apart. Somebody has moved chairs out of the way and caused you to fall down. It's happened. So there's no guarantee that the chair would hold you, but you had faith that when you sat down, it would. You have faith every time you get into a car or a plane. Sometimes when I'm taking kids to camp, FYI, we got camp registration open, but sometimes if I'm driving the, the van and I got 15 people, it amazes me, especially at the end of camp, because you're so exhausted and you're so tired from Jesus wrecking your life and running around and going like crazy for a week, that every time everybody knocks out in the van. So I'm driving the van going 80 miles an hour on the highway thinking, wow, they really trust me with this van because y'all are just knocked out like, oh, wake me up when we get there. If we get there, like, I really hope we get there. But the reality is there's car accidents all the time. There's, you know, stuff happens. But you have faith. You have so much faith that you're willing to go to sleep. You have faith that the food you eat and the water you're going to drink is not going to make you sick. Although, listen, we've all had, you know, a little bit of diarrhea. We've all had those moments where the food did not sit well. Some of you probably had diarrhea in the last week or so. One time I got food poisoning. I kid you not, I got it so bad from like a bad pork chop I ate at a restaurant that, uh, and for three days I was sick, mostly because my dad wouldn't take me to the doctor because we didn't have insurance. So I just laid in the bed throwing up and diarrheaing for three days. And I lost 15 pounds in three days. Like that's how much it affected me. But obviously that didn't stop me from eating. I kept eating, right? Why? Because I have faith. I have faith that, man, that was a one-time thing and it's not going to happen all the time. See, we have faith, and it's rooted in so many different things. Sometimes our faith is just rooted in past experiences, right? I've sat in that chair every week, and so I just, I'm going to have faith that it's going to hold me again. Sometimes we have faith in just our understanding of things, you know? I know accidents happen, but it's not at the frequency where I'm afraid to get into a car or a plane. Or we have faith even just in the frequency of use. Like, I've done this a million times, and so I have faith that it'll work like it has the other million times. But my question for you tonight is, do you have faith that is rooted in Christ? Because I do think that's a different kind of faith, one that makes or breaks your walk with God. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open up to Mark chapter 10. By the way, if you need a Bible, I got a bunch of new ones that we just ordered that I'd love to give you. So if you're somebody who's been looking for a Bible or wants to grow in reading your Bible, let me know and we'll hook you up. It's got an audio Bible attached to it. And you might freak out a couple of times because I did record some of the audio portions. And so every now and then, Pastor Joey's voice is going to come out to remind you, you better be reading your Bible. Uh, so Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. Listen to what the word says. <laughs> it says, they reached Jericho. And his, as his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. 
when Bartimaeus heard Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling for you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. There are some very important lessons that I think we can take from this passage in regards to faith. Lessons that I think you and I need to fully understand if we're ever going to have faith and we're ever going to grow in our faith when it comes to Christ. Number one, if you're taking notes, it's the understanding that faith is not blind. Faith is not blind. And we've often heard that term, hey, listen, you just have to have blind faith. You just got to believe, right? Just go with it. Just believe. And I need you to understand that that is not rooted in Scripture at all. Nowhere in the Bible is, does it ask you to have irrational faith? Does it ask you to have unfounded faith? No, no. The faith that God asks of you is rooted in him and it has a source. There's a reason to have faith. You don't just have faith for faith's sake. We're not just wandering around, hope this is real, hope it works out. No, it's actually rooted in something. We have faith because of something. So in this case, he had faith that Christ could heal him. He wasn't just, you know, yelling at random people as they walked by, just having faith that someday someone's going to be able to do it. He's not like, Joey, son of Papa, heal me. It's like it was a specific person that he knew he had faith in the individual of saying, that is the son of God, that person can heal me. So even though he was blind, he could see enough to know who the person he was talking about is. Faith is not blind. Please don't just go to church and accept things because you're unwilling to actually do the research and read up for yourselves. Most people in church, when they have blind faith, it's out of laziness, not ignorance. Because the Bible is full of answers for why you should believe what you believe. As a matter of fact, one of the scriptures say, always be prepared to have an answer for why you believe what you believe. Because when you're talking to an unbeliever, when you're talking to someone who's not grown up in church, who's not a Christian, and they ask you, well, why do you even believe in God? If all you say is, I have faith, that means nothing to them. What do you mean you have faith? Why? Why do you have faith? What is, what is your faith rooted in? Like, you just have blind faith? Like, I just have faith. Well, that, that doesn't help anybody. I could just be like, yeah, I, just, I have faith that, you know, the grass in my backyard talks to me. How do you know? I just have faith. That's not a good answer. It's like when somebody says, hey, why do you do that? And your reply is, because. Because what? Because, because. It's not a helpful answer. And so often, that's our only answer, and quite honestly, because we don't know why we have faith. We just accept it because we're unwilling to do the work. And if you were to simply do the work, if you were to just simply seek the Lord, if you were to ask God, if you were to read your Bible, you would have more than enough reasons to have faith. As a matter of fact, the definition of faith is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Now, again, we can get stuck with that part that says we cannot see. Doesn't that mean that faith is blind? No, no, no. That's not what it means at all. It's the evidence of what we can't see. 
See, a lot of times our faith is often rooted in, in our physical and what we see physically. Faith is the confidence. It's like the eyes of your soul. It sees what the eyes of your body can't see. And it knows because it believes and has faith in it. It's rooted in something that God spoke. It's rooted in something that you understand about the character of God. Think about it in, in this context. There may be people in your life, people that are close to you, maybe your mom, your dad, or your best friend. You have faith that if they say something, they're going to do it. Why? Because the trust level that you've built up with them. It's not blind faith. It's rooted in the relationship that you have with that individual. Whereas if a stranger comes up to you, somebody you don't know, and says, hey, homie, do me a favor. You borrow me 200 bucks real quick? You're like, yeah, no, I'm all right. <laughs> Come on, bro. Hey, I'm good for it. Yeah, I don't know you. I have no faith that you're going to pay me back because I have no context to have faith in you. That person might be rich for all you know. That person might be able to pay you back double, but you don't know them. And so you don't have faith in that because there's no relationship there. The faith that you have in God is rooted in who God is. And in who God is, if you don't understand, if you don't read your Bible to understand who God is, then you're never going to be able to have faith in him because you don't know him. Your faith grows as your relationship with God grows. And as your relationship with God grows, as your understanding of the character of God, of the nature of God, of the heart of God, when you begin to recognize all those things, faith is not hard anymore. Because you trust and it's rooted in the person that you trust. When somebody says, well, why do you have faith in God? Because I've seen God do it over and over and over again. How do you know God's going to happen? Because he did it last time. I've done it. I've seeked it. I've saw his face. And even if God won't do it, I still have faith in him because of who he is. Faith is never blind. It's always rooted Sometimes it's, there was this old joke, you know, when I was a kid that I would laugh at, I don't laugh at it anymore, but it was a Three Stooges joke where the guy's, like, he, like, he thought he got blinded and he's like, I can't see, I can't see. And they're like, what's wrong? I have my eyes closed. And then he got slapped, <laughs> which I would do. Some of us feel like, man, I can't have faith because I don't see what God is doing. And my reply to you is maybe you just have your eyes closed. Maybe it's not that you're blind. Maybe it's just that you got your eyes closed. Maybe if you prayed, maybe if you read for yourself, maybe if you asked more questions, maybe if you showed up to small groups, took notes during the service, maybe if you were intentional about growing in your relationship with God, it wouldn't be blind faith anymore because your eyes would finally be open. Over and over again in the Bible, you hear the phrase, Lord, open my eyes that they may see. And it's never a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. In the Bible, there's a story in the Old Testament, one of the prophets of the Lord is woken up by his servant and he's, he's freaked out because uh, where they were staying, they got surrounded by their enemies, right? So the, the enemy's army is completely surrounding them. And the prophet gets up just like a straight G. And he looks at him. He's like, why are you freaking out? To anyone who has eyes, it's obvious why we're freaking out. We're surrounded by the people that want to kill us. And the prophet prays, Lord, open his eyes that he would see. And the Bible says that his spiritual eyes were open and that he could see the armies of heaven, the chariots of fire surrounding the army that surrounded him. He understood in that moment, greater is he that's with me than he that with the enemy. The reason the prophet wasn't phased when he saw that, he goes, hey, no, no, you don't get it. There's more of us. Because I see with my spiritual eyes and all you see is with your physical ones. Right? Faith is only blind when your spiritual eyes are closed. 
But if you ask God to open those eyes, if you take time to get to know who the Lord is, to grow in your relationship with God and your understanding of who God is, you see your faith increase and your eyesight get better and better. Number two that I noticed about the blind man, faith is not just not only blind, but um, faith is unwavering. Faith is unwavering. When you know there's nobody that can tell you different. There's a stubbornness to faith, a confidence that comes in faith. Think about this blind man. <clears throat> He's yelling out, Jesus, son of David, which, by the way, the reason he calls him son of David is because the, the Jewish people at the time, those who read the Old Testament or the Torah, they understood that the Messiah, the chosen one, the savior of their world, the son of God was going to come through the lineage of David. He was going to be a descendant of King David, one of the greatest kings in all of Israel's history. So when he says, Jesus, son of David, he's acknowledging his kingship. He's acknowledging that, now this isn't just a normal dude. But you got to understand, when he yells out, did you realize, did you notice what the rest of the crowd's reaction was? Everybody else said, no, no, shut up. Stop bothering him. Stop being annoying. Quiet down. And did you notice he didn't go, oh, okay, that was embarrassing. My bad. He said, I don't care what you say. I'm going to shout even louder. I'm going to shout over your shouts. Faith is unwavering because here's the thing. A lot of us, we shrink back when we start to have a little bit of faith when somebody else says something different. When somebody starts to doubt you, when somebody starts to throw something at you, when somebody starts to make fun of you, suddenly your faith shrinks. But when you have real faith, when you have strong faith, it doesn't shrink, it gets louder. Why? Because I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I'm experiencing something you don't know nothing about. I always think back to this. It's not a great one, but it's a, it's a story for me. I always think back of uh, the time where I, I first like, tried to be open about my faith in school. And they had this thing called See You at the Pole where they pray in the morning before school starts. And, and I knew about it. I had heard about it, but I was still kind of nervous. And here at Excel, they were telling us to go be a part of that. And so I remember I saw the kids praying. I thought most of them were dorky, so I didn't even want to go by them. And uh, I just felt like God was telling me to do it, right? So I go, and I'm holding hands, and I'm praying with them, and I'm super self-conscious about what everybody else thinks and how everybody else is looking at me. But I'm like, God, I want to have faith in you. I want to love you more than I'm afraid of them. And so I remember as I'm walking back, sure enough, this one guy tries making fun of me. And he's, you know, he gets everybody's attention. He's like, oh, Joe, were you over there with those guys? You know, trying to start a joke. And I got, I got pretty, like, swole on him. And I went into his face real confident-like, and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I was there. You know, voice dropped like six octaves, you know, for a 15-year-old. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's cool. That is cool. It's very cool that I was praying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It is cool. Because low-key, I was going to fight him. I'm like, you want to make fun of me for loving God? I'll fight. Now, that's not right. I'm just being real with where I was. But here's the deal. He was trying to shrink my faith. Not him per se. I think the enemy was trying to use that moment to shrink my faith. And instead, my faith swelled up. When you have faith, it's unwavering. So that when people say, no, it's never going to happen. $42,000, Excel, you're never going to do that. Faith rises. It doesn't shrink. Faith steps up and says, well, it's not because I want to do it. This is what God spoke to me. Listen, God gave you an individual number. And in your mind, that might be too much. Some of you might be thinking, well, I've been trying and, and nobody's called me and nobody hits me up. And, and I put myself out there and I haven't gotten anything back. So what? Keep doing it. Why? Because the results are God's department. Your faith is that God will come through. But you got to be willing to keep doing your part. 
You got to be willing to keep pushing. You got to be willing to keep going. You got to make sure that your faith rises and it doesn't shrink back. Listen, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. Right? We hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. We can have faith because we know God holds to his promises. So I don't have to be afraid and I don't have to be worried. No matter how bad it gets, my faith rises and endures. I think back of another story in the Bible. When Jesus was about to be crucified, he's talking to his disciples at the Last Supper. You ever saw the picture? Everybody's kind of hanging out. He's talking to his disciples. And in that midst of that conversation, he says, listen, Satan asked to sift you like wheat. In other words, Satan is going to attack you guys and he's going to hit you hard. But I prayed for you. And I didn't pray that Satan wouldn't do it. And I didn't pray that, that you would be strong. He goes, no, I prayed that your faith would endure. And when you come back, go and strengthen everybody else. Listen, there can be moments where all hell is breaking loose in your life. But faith rises, it doesn't shrink. Faith is what will keep you through it. Not emotions, not your thoughts. It's my faith. That even though it doesn't look right at all, I trust that God is going to come through. I have faith that if I do my part, I know God will do his part. I love that the blind man could care less what anybody else said. Some of you are this short of miracles of God coming through and the things that you need and the things that you want simply because you're too scared of what everybody else thinks. But if the voice of faith would grow, it would drown out everybody else's voice. Because guess what? Nobody else in that room had to live with the blindness. The blind man did. Bartimaeus had to live with it. Nobody else has to live with your issues. Nobody else has to deal with the stuff that you deal with in your heart. So why do you care what anybody else thinks? It's not their life. It's not their soul. It's not their spirit. It's yours. And so if trusting God, believing God, having faith in God is what you know you need to do, forget everybody else. Rise up and step forward and say, listen, I love you, but if you're in my way, I got to get past you because it's not about you anymore. This is about me. Faith rises. It doesn't shrink. In the same light, though, faith has a humble nature to it. If you're taking notes, number three, this will help. Faith is humble. Well, what do I mean by that? This man, Bartimaeus, he understood that God doesn't owe him anything. He didn't come at him, Jesus, son of David, you're the one that made me blind, so come over here and fix it. That wasn't his approach. That wasn't his approach at all. His approach was, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you realize in those first few times he yelled out, he didn't even ask specifically what he wanted. It wasn't, the, the blindness wasn't his main priority in that moment. Mercy was. God, have mercy on me. People who cry out for mercy understand they don't deserve it. There's a humble nature in his approach to the Lord. Faith has a way of humbling you because it reminds you that you need something greater than yourself in order for your desire to come true. When you have faith and you put your faith in God, what you're saying is, I can't put my faith in myself because I'm not enough. God, I need you. So the trust, the hope, I don't put in my own abilities and my own strength. And a lot of us, the reason we struggle with faith is because our faith is rooted in us. 
I can do it. I'm going to man up. I'm going to try harder. Yeah, I know I'm struggling with this sin, but I know I can beat it. I know I can overcome it because I'm, I'm a, I can do this. God created me to do this. And we fluff ourselves up and we still fail. Instead, if we come with a humble nature and say, God, I keep messing up in the same area and I don't think I'll ever get better. Have mercy on me and help me to grow in the areas that I can't grow myself. God, I put my faith in you, my trust in you, my hope in you, because it's not enough in me. Some of us, we struggle in our faith because it's not just rooted in us, but it's rooted in people. Some of you are so attached to people, and every time a person fails you, instead of taking your faith to God, you just take it to another person. And I'm not just talking romantically, although nine times out of ten, it's romantically. Right? It's like, I've seen it, this story has played out, this broken record has been spinning for so long. People who are on fire for Jesus and then meet La Chica or El Chico and suddenly their faith in Jesus gets transferred over into their love of this person. And then that person breaks their heart and suddenly they're like, God, where are you? And God's like, yo, I've been where you left me. Faith has to be rooted in Christ. Not just in people, because people fail you, because they're people. As much as your mom and dad love you, they'll fail you. As much as your pastor and your leaders love you, we will definitely fail you. We're not perfect human beings by any stretch of the imagination. So please, don't ever put your faith in us. Don't ever put your faith in Excel. Don't ever put your faith in family. Don't ever put your faith in institutions or in the government or in your school or in your job or in your career or in your education, because all those things fail your faith in God. I would imagine that Bartimaeus probably tried a number of things before Jesus walked by to fix his healing or to fix his blindness. But ultimately he knew that's the one that'll do it. That's the one that'll help me. Listen, James chapter four, verse five through eight. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. What is he saying? Listen, stop putting your faith in two different places. Put your faith in God and God alone. And do it humbly. That word opposes the proud. When you're proud, it's that idea that I don't need help. I got this. I can do this. And that word oppose in the original language that it was written in means to wage war against. So God says when you're proud, when you think you don't need me, when you think you got this, when you think you can handle it because you got a strong family or a good crew and, and people around you and you can handle it and you've been successful, when you think that, I will literally wage war against you. Just to remind you, it ain't going to work. But if you're humble, I'm going to help you. If you're humble in nature, I'm going to lift you up. My grace will carry you. Why? Because you're humble. And think about it. In a natural context, we're like that with everybody else. If somebody wrongs you and they come up to you humbly and they say, man, I'm sorry. I messed up. I feel terrible about it. It was not my intention. Please forgive me. Nine times out of ten, yeah, no problem. But if somebody messes up and you come up to them, you approach them about it, and they're like, I don't know why you're crying. 
It wasn't even that big a deal. Why are you so mad? Oh my gosh, you're always in your feelings. Da, 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 da. That pride is like, yeah, I was mad at you. Now I hate you. <laughs> like, you know, it was a little thing. Now I want to punch you in the mouth. And the, the difference is the response. So when you approach God, remember, God doesn't owe you anything. Our faith is in his goodness, not in what, he, what we deserve. Because the reality is, if God gave you what you deserve, we'd all be in hell. Because the Bible is clear on that. We all deserve death. Not one man is righteous, not even one. It's by the grace of God and our faith in him that we can even come to him with anything. And I think because of our faith in Christ, we're reminded that not only is faith humble, but number four, faith is confident. There's a confidence when you have faith. And listen, you can be humble and confident. Confidence without humility is arrogance. But with humility, it becomes confidence. There is a confidence that comes with faith. There's a confidence that comes with faith. Remember, the humility of Barnabas was, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. And then he, he comes up to him and he says, Rabbi, I want to see. Here's the confident part, right? Humility, Rabbi. That was the, the term for teacher. In the context of what he's saying, it was like, you're the greatest teacher. He says, listen, you, my rabbi, my, my Lord, my Savior, my God. I'm bold enough to ask, I want to see. You asked, right? His first thing was mercy. But then Jesus gets specific with him. Hey, what do you want? If you want to be real, God, I want to see. That's a bold statement. But one that can be confidently made when you have faith. There are a lot of things I would bet in your life that, you don't have enough faith to ask God for because you don't believe he's going to answer. And the Bible is clear. You have not because you ask not. At least if God said, no, I can live with that. What I can't live with is not asking at all. And we do this all the time. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? Camp, we gave you the form and there's a part, man, I really want to go to camp. This sounds amazing. This sounds great. But my mom will say no. And you've decided that before you even ask your mom. Oh, my parents aren't going to let me go. You asked them already? No. Well, then you shot yourself in the foot. It's not your parents, it's you. At least go ask your parents and let them say no for themselves. Who knows if God wouldn't just open a door for you. Faith is understanding. Listen, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm going to trust and have faith that God is going to come through in this. Why? Because I believe in it. Faith is that confidence, right? Matthew chapter 8, verse 7 through 10. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Uh, let me give you some context with this. There's a centurion officer. So this is a, a Roman, not even a, a believer, has no context or relationship with God. But he heard about Jesus. He heard about the miracles. And he heard that he can heal people. So he approaches Jesus about one of his servants who's sick. And he asked him to heal him. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Humility. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Confidence. Right? Humility. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. But I have enough faith and confidence that if you just say the word right where you are, my servant will be healed. I know this. Again, it's rooted in something, right? It's not blind faith. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. 
When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. We only see two times in the entire Bible where Jesus Christ is amazed. He's amazed when he goes back to his hometown because people didn't believe and didn't have faith. And the Bible says that he could not perform many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And he's amazed at this centurion's faith. The only two times we ever see Jesus amazed is at a lack of faith and at faith in itself. Jesus is thrown back because this man who's not even a believer has enough faith in who Jesus is to say, all you got to do is speak the word. And I know that he'll be healed because I understand what authority is. And right now in this moment, I'm recognizing yours. Do you recognize the authority of God? That God can just speak and it can happen? That, that that scene that you think is so complicated, so difficult, is only in need of one word from the Lord and it can be accomplished like that? That your faith is not in your own strength, ability, talents, or giftings, but that your faith is rooted in the one who loves you more than anyone else on this planet? That if you can go to him and trust him and say, God, I need you. God, help me. God, be with me. God, I want to see that God can accomplish and will accomplish. There is a confidence that wells up in that. Because you start to understand, no, I know a God that can help us. I know a God that can come through. Faith is this unbelievable confidence that you can walk in. And some of us, we walk in fear. We walk in in, uh, misunderstanding. We walk in doubt simply because we lack faith. So when somebody tells you, hey, I wonder if this youth ministry can raise $42,519. The one who doubts goes, yeah, that'll never happen. The one who has faith says, why not? If God's in it, and if we do our part, why not? I was just thinking about this because uh, there has been a lot of posts about Derrick Rose recently, and I was just like, Derrick Rose? When he was with the Bulls, I remember the year he won the MVP at the beginning of the season, he said, why can't I win MVP? And everybody laughed. Everybody laughed in the reporters. He goes, I put in all the work. Why not? And he won the MVP that year. He had faith that he could do it, even when nobody else had faith that he could. His faith wasn't blind. It was rooted in the work that he put in. But he had faith. That he said, Why not? What's stopping it? When you have faith in who God is because of who God is, very little becomes limited to you. And a whole world, especially a whole spiritual universe, opens up. And the whole realm of possibilities is open to you because, well, why not? This is God. Why can't God heal my family member? Why can't God provide for our needs? Why can't God grow this ministry? Why can't God save my loved ones? Why not? It's God. My faith is not in me and my talents. My faith is in the Lord. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. Listen, the faith of the blind man saved him because it was a specific kind of faith. It was a faith that was determined to reach Jesus. He cried out all the more, remember? It was a faith that knew who Jesus was. Remember, son of David. It was a faith that came humbly to Jesus. Have mercy on me. It was a faith that humbly submitted to Jesus, my rabbi. It was a faith that could tell Jesus what it wanted. I want to see. This is a very specific kind of faith that's very far from blind. 
is faith rooted in who Christ is and in the confidence we have in our Lord. All that kind of faith leads to a faith that follows Jesus. A faith that follows Jesus. Think about this. He says, I want to see. And Jesus' response was, go, your faith has healed you. Most of us in that moment would be happy, overjoyed, overwhelmed, excited to get the very thing we wanted and then go live our lives. And to be honest, a lot of us, that is what we do. We'll have faith for a moment, for a need. Maybe it was a faith that God would save you and forgive you of your sins and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because you had faith that he is who he says he is, and that's awesome. So I mean, it's a faith for a loved one to get healed, for somebody you care about to grow, or whatever it is. Maybe there's just a moment where you had faith. And then after God did it, you just went back to your old lifestyle. You just went back to doing things like you always did and forgot about God. And in your heart, well, I go back to him the next time I need something. But if you notice blind Bartimaeus, who's basically given the freedom, go, yeah, your faith healed you, go. But what does the Bible say? And Bartimaeus followed Jesus. If you go on to read this story, he actually follows him to the cross because that's the very next thing that ends up happening is eventually Jesus is captured, beaten, and crucified. And I wonder, was Bartimaeus part of that core that followed him? Was he part of that 120 that eventually became the first 3,000 people to get saved? Was he part of the first church that we read about in Acts? Was Bartimaeus one of the servants who walked around and told the story of how Jesus healed them when he cried out to him? What I do know is that Bartimaeus didn't walk away from God. He walked towards him. And that's how faith begins to grow. It's initiated in some moment. And oftentimes God will do the miraculous in order to initiate your faith but then a life with Jesus begins to grow it. Listen, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, that's all the other people who've lived faith in the past. They're watching out. He says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this, By keeping our eyes on Jesus, notice this, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. In Christ, he initiates and grows your faith. Let me tell you one more story as I get ready to close. This, uh, in a couple of weeks actually, in the beginning of June, I'm going to be flying to South Dakota to do uh, basically what we do here in our summer camp. I'm going to be the guest speaker for their summer camp. And this is going to be the second time that I was in South Dakota. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to do their camp and I remember as I was there and as I was praying before the camp even started, I felt the Lord speak to me and say that someone was going to experience a miraculous healing at that camp. Now, I'd like to tell you that I was like, that's amazing, God, let's roll. I'm, I'm so excited. 
But my, my immediate thought was, yeah, I've never been a part of a camp and I've never, I've never done that. <laughs> and I'm not that guy who's like a hundred people come up and I lay hands and they all get healed. I've, I've just never done that. I don't doubt that God can do that, but I did doubt that he would use me to do that. But that's what the Lord told me. And so I just kept it in my heart. A couple of days passed by and I didn't feel the Lord release on that yet. And then in the middle of the week, we're having a, a service and I felt in the beginning of the service, the Lord spoke to me, tonight's the night. I'm going to heal someone. And I'm like, all right, God, bring it. Let's go. Okay, let's do it. Sure enough, we're in the service. God's wrecking. God's moving. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit and moving in power. And then I say, hey, listen, I just sense from the Lord tonight that somebody needs to get healed. If, if you're in this room and you're looking for God to heal something, whatever it is, just, hey, raise your hand. And there was a number of people that raised their hand. But there was one boy right at the front as I was praying over people. I go over to him and I lean down. I go, hey, buddy, uh, what, what do you want me to pray for? What do, you, what do you need God to do? And he looked up and he said, my back. I go, okay, cool. Like, what's, what's up with your back? Again, I'm hoping like he heard it playing basketball or something. He goes, I got scoliosis, which if you don't know what that is, it's a curve in your spine. And I'm thinking, dang, that's like a real thing. <laughs> and in that moment, I kid you not, I felt like God like punched me in the chest to get, me my, to get my attention. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, don't doubt. Because God caught me slipping. God caught me in that moment going, scoliosis, that, that's not going to happen. And the Lord checked my heart and said, no, no, have faith. I told you I would do it. It's not blind faith. It's rooted in something. I told you I would do it. Have faith. So I began to pray. And I began to pray. And I had him test it out. Hey, touch your toes. Can you do that? Because if you have scoliosis, you have a hard time touching your toes. So I'm like, hey, try it out. He goes, no, it still hurts. I go, okay. So we're praying. We're praying. Nothing's happening. I tell the two kids that are praying over him, I say, hey, you keep praying over him. Periodically check it. I'm going to go and pray over some more people. So I go and I'm praying over more people. And the kids suddenly start screaming come here, come here. And so I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what happened? What happened? And they're like, oh, he's healed. He's healed. And I'm like, what? And I look at the kid. I'm like, what happened? He goes, it doesn't hurt anymore. I kid you not. This is what I said. Don't lie to me. (laughs) He's like, I'm not. I swear. It's, it's, are you serious? Yeah. What do you, explain it to me. And he starts touching his toes. He starts explaining everything. Because in my mind, I'm like, maybe this is just some punk kid who's exaggerating and I don't want to look stupid because of him. He, He was dead honest. I pulled him up on stage. I said, tell everybody what God just did. And he began to testify and he began to give God glory. Part of why I called him up is because I needed a moment with God. Because as soon as I gave him the mic, I turned around and I just began to cry with my back towards everybody. I wasn't just crying because of how happy I was about what God did. I was crying because God, you did something and I trusted you. You know how amazingly powerful it is when God comes through? how much you're just blown away and how much your faith grows because God, you said it and then you did it. I say all that because the very next year, I'm in North Dakota, sister state. And again, I'm preaching at a a camp and I tell that story. And I say, hey, listen, I want to pray tonight. Does anybody need healing? And that night, more people raised their hand than the other camp. And again, I was like, well, God, I've seen you heal scoliosis. Let's see what you can do tonight. I saw God heal a young lady whose hip was displaced. She was scheduled for surgery in three weeks. She had had this pain for a number of years. 
She couldn't run around. She couldn't do all the things she wanted to do. God popped it back into place. Surgery got canceled. Next day, she's running around playing soccer. She said, for the first time in three years, I got out of the bed not hurting. Saw another pastor hurt his back, hurt his knee. I mean, he had a number of issues. God miraculously healed it. Thing after thing kept happening. I was trying to shut the service down. And somebody would come up, wait, can you pray for this? I'm like, uh, I guess. And God kept doing it. Why do I say all that? God initiated my faith in that first moment. And then God began to grow it. Now I'm not phased when God does that because I'm like, yeah, that's what God does. God's awesome. I was the first time though. We grow in faith as a result of the last thing we had faith for. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close. And I want you to just close your eye for a moment. Your eyes, not just one, that'd be weird. Close your eyes. Just for your own concentration. Let me ask you this. What's the last thing you really had faith in God for where he came through? It it might be just your salvation. Where you trusted that God would accept you and would make you fresh and new. It might be nothing. You might have never put your faith in God. For some of you, it might be a moment where God came through in a way that just really wrecked you. I'm only asking you to think about the last thing because maybe there's something else right now that you're praying about where you need faith. Maybe there's a sin that you haven't been able to overcome and you need faith that God will bring you through that. Maybe there's a situation at home where you feel like it's never going to end and you need faith to know that God is going to make it happen. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because you feel unworthy, you don't feel good enough, you feel like God doesn't love you and you need faith to trust that no matter what your past says, God is willing to accept you. It's a matter of faith. We're not saved because we're good enough, because we earned it. The Bible says that it is Our salvation is the grace of God through faith. That's how we enter into it. So in a moment, I want to pray for you, believer. And I want to agree with you and have faith in the very thing that you need faith for right now. But before I do that, again, I just need to talk to those of you in the room. You can't put your faith in Christ if you haven't put your heart in Christ first. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I would understand why you don't have faith for all those other things, because it starts with that. And so before we pray for everybody else, young man, young lady, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor Joey, I've never made the decision to put my faith in God, to trust that he would love me and forgive me and take me in as his child. But even as you were speaking, there was this nudging going on. I just felt like something was pulling at me. I need you to know that was the Lord saying, tonight's your night. Don't put your trust in Pastor Joey or in anybody else. Have faith that it was my voice that was speaking to you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around this between you and the Lord. If you're here and you say, hey, listen, I've never accepted Jesus, or maybe I did, but I really haven't been living on it. I need to do that again. I need to be sure and confident and have faith in who God said he is. Then just lift up your hand and I'll pray for you. If there's anybody here, just do that right now and, and I'll include you in that prayer. Let me know. Thank you, sweetie. Anybody else who says, that's me, Pastor. No one else is looking around. Don't worry about everybody else. You can just lift it up and put it down, and, and I'll know who it is. Thank you, kid. Anyone else who says, that's me? Thank you, bro. Anyone else? 
Awesome. Hey, do me a favor, everybody. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I, I know I don't deserve this. And I know I'm not good enough. But I understand that you are. And I ask you, Lord, humbly and confidently to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me fresh and new. And make me yours. I say all this with my faith in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now listen, before you all close your eyes and walk around, let me talk to the believers in this room. What's that thing in your life right now where you need faith and you're struggling with doubt? What's that area of your life where you know what God's saying, but you're doubting that it's true? It might be a need. It might be, hey, listen, just the way you look at yourself, the way you feel about yourself. Yeah, I know that God says that I'm a masterpiece and that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but I doubt that. And I want to have faith in you before I have faith in myself. If you have one of those, I just want you to, again, whatever it is, if you have a need that you need to put your faith in God for tonight, would you just real quick lift up your hand and you can put it down and I want to pray for you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you saw every hand that's raised. And Lord, I'm so grateful that our faith is not blind. It's not this random thing that we do for no reason. That our faith is rooted in who you are and what you say. And so, God, based on that, we put our faith in you. We put our hope and our confidence in you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we ask, God, that you would bring all those things to fruition, God. That we don't have to worry about it. That we don't even have to think about it anymore. Because our trust has been placed in you. Our faith on that situation has been placed in you. God, we ask that the peace that surpasses all understanding would come over our hearts. And that we would only do what you ask us to do. That we wouldn't try to take it into our own hands. That we wouldn't try to run within our own strength. That our faith would be in you. And we would only do what the Spirit leads us to do. <clears throat> we thank you, God. Because our confidence isn't in our abilities, our giftings. It isn't in Pastor Joey or the leaders. It isn't in this church or in this building. Our faith is in you, God. And you alone. So we humbly and confidently come before you and ask you to do what only you can do. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise right where you're at? <laughs> amen. Hey, listen, I want to encourage you. Keep praying that prayer. Don't just leave it in this one moment. Keep putting your faith in God and watch him grow that faith. Speaking of which, uh, don't just rule out camp. We really want to take as many people as we can. Don't worry about the money part. God can provide. God can open doors. You know, stimulus checks and, and tax returns are coming in. Tell mom and dad, hey, listen, would you rather I do nothing at, at home or, or go experience the presence of God? And so I want to encourage you, on your way out, would you get a camp form and at least ask that question? And if you need somebody to back you up and have a conversation with mom and dad, I'm here for it. Let me know, and we can talk about that. Amen? God bless you. We love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow in small groups.